Stay in the know with Radio 2000 Podcast. Good morning, learners and teachers and all the other listeners out there. As Carol has said, my name is Nisha, and today I will be continuing with the reading and viewing skill. I've previously done advertisements, and I've done reading strategies for informational text. So today, our focus is going to be on poetry, a differentiated approach. Now, the objective of today's lesson is, firstly, for learners to know what poetry is and differentiate between poetry and prose. Secondly, as learners, you should be able to identify and use the basic poetic devices in poetry. Thirdly, you should have a better understanding of the analysis of a poem. Fourthly, you should be able to interpret questions on poetry. And lastly, you should understand some of the poetic devices that you will use in the FET phase. Let's start with what is poetry and how is it different from prose? To understand poetry is to understand the basic fundamentals between form and content. Poetry sings. It has a musical quality to it that speaks to the soul and allows the readers to form pictures, allowing the senses to explode into a multitude of colors, drawing in the reader. Poetry is a written art form that should be performed. To understand this, you have to read the poem in all its resolve and glory. Following the intended verbal score the author so cleverly embedded in between the stanzas and lines. This means that the poem involves the eyes and the ears simultaneously. This is done by using words and their placement on the page and then using words to create sound. What a poem says or means is the result of how it is said. Now let's look at what is prose. This is easy. If it is not poetry, then it's prose. Prose can be divided into works of fiction and non-fictional work. In grade 9, fiction will constitute the novel, short story, folk tales, and non-fictional texts will be your letters, speeches, biographies, and autobiographies, as well as your textbooks, graphs, charts, and TV guides. Now, let's have a look at the basic poetic devices that we use in the senior phase. Let me quickly read the following poem by Carl Sandburg. This poem changed my life as it spoke to me one early morning waiting for a bus in Hillbrow. It's entitled The Fog. The fog comes on little cat feet. It sits looking over harbor and city on silent haunches and then moves on. This short, stunning piece of art has everything a good poem should have. In other words, you can visualize it clearly. See it with your mind's eye. It has both metaphors and personification in it and it is effortless and elegant. In senior phase learners, we focus on various aspects in poetry. Let's look at, first of all, sound devices, which includes rhyme, alliteration, assonance, onomatopoeia, 
and enchantments. Let's start with rhyme. This is a very important aspect as it gives the poem its musical qualities. We have two types of rhyme. End rhyme, this is when the vowel sounds of the word at the end of the line rhymes. They may follow different patterns, example, eyes, skies, and aspire rhymes with fire. These are called rhyming couplets, where we have AA and BB. Then we have internal rhyme. This is when word sounds within the sentence rhymes. Example, fleas and teas. Next we have rhyme and meter. All poems rhyme, but not all poems have meter. Rhyme is the movement created in writing of all kinds or the beat, or the fluency of the poetry. Meter, on the other hand, is the pattern of stressed and unstressed syllables repeated in the line of poetry. We are now going to look at sound devices. The best test for any sound device is to say it aloud in class. We start with alliteration. This is the repetition of a consonant sound at the beginning of words. It usually indicates movement. For example, we say, Tiny Tina walked through the door. The T used in Tiny and Tina is not the same sound as the T used in through and the. Then we have assonance. This, learners, is the repetition of a vowel sound. Short vowels create a mood of speed, joy, and suspense. For example, clap your hands and stamp your feet, the repetition of the A. Long vowel sounds slow down the pace of a poem. An example of this is, he slowly mowed the overgrown lawn. The O-W is the repeated vowel sound. The next vowel sound that we, I will be unpacking for you is onomatopoeia. This uses the word to imitate or reproduce real-life sounds and actions. And the best way to explain it to you is by giving you examples. The first example, the busy bees zoom, zoom through the air. The prancing ponies ran clip, clop on the stone over the bridge. The sky exploded with a crash, bang, and hissing of fireworks. I hope those examples helped you to understand what we say. The next figure is enchantment. This is when one idea runs into the next line without the use of punctuation. This also helps with rhythm. Now we move on to figures of speech. You get figures of speech of comparison, where you have your similes, metaphors, personification, and so forth. The first one we're dealing with is similes. Similes describe something by comparing it to something else, using the words like and as. A little extract from a poem. Like a snail with legs, it moves. Carefully, like a waddling bridge. It looks like a green wire on legs. It has a hump like a camel.
This was taken out of the poem Caterpillar by Martin Thornton. Then we go to metaphor. A metaphor describes one thing in terms of another, using a statement instead of a comparison. We're going to take another excerpt to demonstrate this to you. The toaster is the name of the poem. A silver-scaled dragon with jaws flaming red sits at my elbow and toasts my bread. I hand him fat slices, and then, one by one, he handed them back when he sees they are done. This is a poem by William J. Smith. The next figure of speech is personification. This is when an inanimate, in other words, a dead or lifeless object or abstract entity, is referred to as though it was alive. I'm going to use the poem The Wind by James Stevens to demonstrate personification, the use of personification. The wind stood up and gave a shout. He whistled on his fingers and kicked the withered leaves about and thumped the branches with his hand and said he'd kill and kill and kill, and so he will, and so he will. Now that's an example of personification as it is used in a poem. We now come to figures of speech that deals with contradictions. The first one is the oxymoron, or oxymoron, as some of you know it as. This is the placement of two contrasting ideas or statements next to each other. The two statements seem to contradict each other. For example, my hateful friend, the cool, hot guy. Then we move on to irony. What is irony? Irony is the gap between how things appear to be and how they really are. They say the opposite of what they mean. For example, I can't wait for my detention on Friday. Or... She is a genius. Now we go to sarcasm. This is also a statement of the opposite of what the writer really wants to say. For example, you are so punctual, you miss everything. Or, you must have really worked hard to be at the bottom of the class. In fact, this is insulting. Next up, we have figures of speech that deals with exaggeration and understatements. We start with hyperbole. This is the deliberate exaggeration used to create humor or to emphasize a point. Examples of this? My granny is so old, she's mentioned in the Old Testament. My dog is so ugly, he saw himself in the mirror and ran away. And lastly, my aunt is so fat, her belly button has an ego. Now, this is exaggeration. The next figure of speech we deal with is euphemism. In euphemism, we normally express an unpleasant or uncomfortable situation in a more sensitive, kind, or tactful manner. Examples of this, he has passed away instead of saying he died. She has a war- she had a wardrobe malfunction in public instead of saying her outfit was disastrous. Then we move on to pun. This is a clever play with words. 
the double meaning is used to convey humor. To write with a broken pencil is pointless. That's an example. A bicycle can't stand on its own because it is too tired. I hope you get that one. I'm, the figures of speech that I've mentioned now is all that is used in, poet, in poetry. This is what makes poetry so, so intriguing and so exciting to study. Now I'd like to teach you how to analyze a poem. When analyzing a poem, we look at the external structure of the poem and the internal structure of the poem. And this, when we study the external structure, we look at the following. We look at the number, the verse lines. We look right. at the external structure and the internal structure of a poem. When we're studying the external structure of a poem, we should firstly number the verse lines. Secondly, we should look at the stanzas and ask the questions, are they couplets, which is two lines, or are they quatrains, which are four lines? Also ask, can this poem be classified as a narrative or a lyric? Can they be further analyzed into a free verse, haiku, limerick, ode, or a Shakespearean sonnet, to name a few types of poems? When we do internal analysis, this is what we need to do. Read the poem with a pencil in hand. Read the poem thoroughly. Analyze every line and underline every poetic device you can find. Then, work through the poem looking for simple parts. First, alliteration, assonance, similes, metaphors, enjambment, personification, and other imagery. You need to identify these in the poem. Now, how do we go about after we've, we've analyzed the external and the internal structure? After you did a thorough analysis of the poem and wrote down all the devices you could find on a page, study the following questions by applying the following. Firstly, underline the action verb in each question. Underline, quote, for example, underline the word, quote, discuss, explain. Secondly, underline the key word or key idea for each question. Then, use skimming and scanning techniques to look for the answers in the poem. Do not copy directly from the text unless they ask you to quote. The mark allocation of the question will indicate the number of marks or number of points you need to have listed or named. Each answer must be written in its own line. Even if you are not sure, learners, about the answer, try and give an answer on your paper. Now we're going to discuss the different types of questions that your teacher may ask you in a, in a poetry worksheet or in a poetry assessment that you are doing. Some ideas on possible questions that your teachers may ask. Number one, your teacher may ask a question on the title of the poem, a question on word choice and how it gives meaning to the poem may be asked, a question on the tone of the poem, 
may be asked as well, whether it's positive or negative. Remember, regarding the tone, you need to use adjectives to describe the tone. Do not only use good, bad, happy, or sad. Think of other creative adjectives to use. Your teacher may ask poetic devices and the effect this has on, a, on firstly, the meaning of the poem, and secondly, on the structure of the poem. A question may be asked on emotion or feeling. You may get columns A and B. This is usually a definition of poetic devices or application of devices studied in class. Questions on literal and figurative meanings of words in the poem. You may get true and false questions. Questions on functions of devices such as the apostrophe, enjambment, hyphen, semicolons may be asked. Questions on intention of the poet when writing this poem. Questions on inference to conclude meaning. And questions on synthesizing, using the author or genre approach in the teaching of literature. Now that is how we deal with the poetry and these are the types of questions you will get when studying poetry in the senior phase. Let's now move on to the next level, which is more com complex poetry devices that you will use when you are in the FET phase. The first one, we um, exaggerations and understatements. Under this, we have two things. We have meiosis, which is the opposite of an hyperbole. It is an understatement in order to emphasize a point. Then we get lytos. This is a special kind of euphemism which makes a statement by denying the opposite of the statement. Then we move on to an allusion. And under allusion, we get metonymy. This figure of speech identifies a thing by mentioning something that is associated with it. The second one is your synecdoche. It only mentions a part of a thing when it actually means the whole thing. And then we get figures of rhetoric. The apostrophe. Apostrophe, not to be confused with the one we use in language. Apostrophe is the device of addressing an absent person or an inanimate object speaking to the audience that cannot hear you. And learners, I'm praying that this lesson today has been of assistance to you, that you will apply all the techniques that have been alluded in this lesson, and I pray and wish you all the best for the rest of your schooling here. Radio 2000 Podcast.